Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Leafs cast. Here today is Tim Allison as well as uh, Ryan Allison. Stephen Douglas, once again, not uh, not able to join us this week, but he did write in his thoughts and he said that he agrees with me on everything. So, Ryan, I'm sorry you're in the minority. He did not say that. No way. Our viewers know. Stephen Steven knows who to listen to. I mean, agree with you that the Leafs went 2-0 and this week, so we're all in a good mood here. I guess so, maybe. Are we in that good of mood? They were two, uh, not not smooth. They were two wins this week. Uh, we won 4-3 over New Jersey and then 7-4 over Edmonton last night. But I wouldn't say it was all smooth sailing. It- yeah, the, uh, the whole 60-minute performance hasn't really resonated with the Leafs 50 games into the season. We're still, uh, like, that New Jersey game, outside of Samsonov, we were just nothing in the first period a whole lot of nothing and then in the Edmonton game like what was going on there you you could go five minute span to five minute span and see a great Leafs team to a what the heck are you doing Leafs team so we still need to figure out that whole 60 minute game in the last 20 minutes of the season but for those five minutes where everything clicks it's like wow so this is hockey just taking out anything else yeah that goal Mitch Marner scored Oh man. Oh man. Like that's that, that there's, there's some things that this player scores. Yeah. I'm thinking like Ovechkin on the power play, you know? And it's just like, that guy's got a great shot and he just stands in his spot and he does the thing to me. That's almost a different scoring ability from what Mitch Marner did on that goal where he's, he gets the puck on an instinct. He just knows to do these three slick deeks, and then back of the net. And I, I don't think that there's many players in the league who could do And he, he does that standing like at the edge of the blue paint, like at the edge of the goalie crease. Like he has no room to maneuver. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, he had no, he had no real business getting the puck oh, there in the man. first place. I don't know what the, the defenseman was thinking, saucering it into the middle of the ice there, but it's, uh, it's pretty fun to watch a guy like that work. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like the, the Edmonton, the ending Edmonton game in particular, but like, what was a nice theme there is that the big boys came to play. Like, you see our stars like that? Pretty good. I mean, that's what we've been talking about in the playoffs for so long, of that we live and die on our on our star players. And in a game like, like that, the Edmonton game, yeah, we lived on our star players. Started out with Marner, and then Nylander got on the board, then Tavares got on the board, and Matthews got on the board, so and like, we, you know few others as well we we shouldn't discount um, nola cherry from uh his two goal performance one and a half goal yeah you know when one of them's an empty netter you basically have half that goal so the the big boys who got us there it's it's just like that's the kind of game that you could point to and say the leafs can win any game because we have four or five elite players who can just score goals no matter the circumstance and win the game Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like I feel we say that every year. It's like, oh, if the, the Leafs will win, the yes. Leafs will win in the playoffs if our star players are better than theirs. And oh, that's our fifth time in a row going home. Right. But th- but that's that that's true. We do say that every year because every year it's it is true. And it, it was true last year. We lost. That doesn't mean that it wasn't true last year. If, if Austin Matthews scored a couple goals in game seven, we would have won that round. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. It, it just comes down to do they do it when it counts and they haven't yet. We know they can because they just did it, you know, against Edmonton this past week, but that it's whether they could do that 
against Tampa in game six when we have the chance to close out the series or they don't do it. And so far they haven't done it. Whether they're going to do it this year or not is to be determined. But this is why Kyle Dubas keeps bringing back this group because he knows they can do it. He has the horses like it, he can get it. They can get it done. It's just, will they get it done? Will it click in this, this final? I would say, will they be able to score against the team that plays defense or has a penalty kill? Uh, well, I, I mean, New Jersey's not a, a bad defensive no. team themselves, and we ended up finding a way to get it done. Yeah, there. So, yeah, I think in in both games, uh, we ended up we were trailing, and then we showed some nice resilience and kind of turned it around. And then once we got the lead, clamped down on it. So that was nice. But what, one other uh, piece that is uh, interesting both is that uh, obviously with the injury to Ryan O'Reilly last week, I don't remember exactly when it was, um, but Leafs have been running. Rather than the twelve standard twelve forwards six defense, they've been running eleven forwards and seven defense, which means that the lines are always kind of in flux because you're a forward short or uh, you have an extra defenseman. So, um, something it is pretty unconventional that and it, this is never the NHL team's kind of first option to, to do this. Just rolling the the even lines is what usually the goal the goal is. But um, Ryan, you have what what are your kind of thoughts so far do you think that the Leafs are thinking about this this strategy because one, one piece that it does suit the Leafs is that obviously with one fewer forward all your forwards get that many more minutes so that means you get to play your big four guys more minutes and then the Leafs I don't know if they're more so than some teams but the Leafs have more one-dimensional defensemen than some in that you have Morgan Riley very much offensive you have I mean, I was going to say TJ Brody, but TJ Brody's good at everything. But then again, maybe doesn't score. TJ Brody, very good defensively. So maybe that makes sense for the least to say everyone has more of a role and you can play your forwards that you want to more often. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? As a concept of 11 forwards, seven defensemen, I hate <laughs> it. I think it's... I, I think right, were you not just listening? When I see any team... When I see any team ice 11 fours and seven defensemen, I don't care who the team is. I look at the general manager and say, you have failed in your job to deliver a balanced team. What the heck? We're going into playoffs in 20 games. We just got six new players. It's going to be hard enough, like getting them acclimated and, and finding line combinations that work and building some chemistry. And we're throwing out, odd like th there's odd man out defensemen so there's no real defense pairs everyone's playing with a different player every shift the forward groups are just like a mishmash of a basically blender lines every single game like it's it, I, I get why he's, they're doing it but the way kyle dubas has approached the trade deadline is let's get all our extra players are going to be defensemen and we're basically writing the bare minimum extra player forwards and by necessity that means you can't just like leave you know, like Justin Hall sitting on the bench for the last 20 games or Timothy Lilligren's a young player still developing into his prime. You can't just leave him sitting on the bench. You don't want to leave our new player, Shannon Gustafson. Like Gustafson has more points than any other defenseman on our team. You don't just want to leave him sitting on the bench for Gustafson. 20 games. So you have to kind of be, be bringing them in and out and switching things up and maybe 70. I get why they're doing it, but I look at it from Kyle Dubas and say, this is your fault. We're going to have no established pairs, no established lines. And it's because you traded for all these defensemen 
when we didn't need this many defensemen. Yeah, and, and like obviously the injury to Ryan O'Reilly was was a, a pretty big blow um, from that perspective that you can't really plan for. But I think it was it it was the New Jersey game where we did call up. I say you you said that we did have like the bare minimum as when it came to forwards and our extra defensemen. We did have extra forwards, just that those forwards are eligible to play in the Marlies. We had Alex Steves and, and Pontus Holmberg. Granted, they I think they had maybe five minutes of ice time um, yeah. in that game and didn't look particularly good. So to that point, maybe you're like, I, I do see what you're saying in that like the Leafs have a shortage of NHL forwards and that it we should have anticipated getting getting injuries, but. I don't know. And I, I, I remember even the day of the trade deadline, we looked at like who the Leafs have traded for and said, surely they have another trade going. Like we wouldn't have brought NHL yes. Eric Gustafson back. Like if we didn't think a defense was going out the door, but I don't know, like did. And we did. And so now, now we're here and you're looking at the playoffs and you know, so, so far we don't have any injuries that will take a player out into the playoffs, yeah. right? We're expecting Ryan O'Reilly to come back before or for the, the playoffs. Yeah. So looking at what it is, you're going to assemble your roster. We're still going to have Zach Austin Reese on the fourth line. And I quite like Zach Austin Reese, but we're going to have guys like Gustafson and Timothy Lilligren or Shen sitting in the press box for game one because they just didn't make the cut. And you just think maybe it would have been nice when we brought in Gustafson in that first round pick from Boston and flip it for even like uh, upgrade on the third line, bump Kerfoot down back down to the fourth. And then you just have like a more deep forward team and you're not subtracting anything from the de- defense that at least from the defense that are your top six, the ones who are actually playing. And that might burn you. You know, we could go into this next week and suffer three injuries on defense. And then Dubas will be like, aha, I told you so. But the same could be true for the forwards. What if we suffer three injuries on forwards? Then it's just like a well shoot. Say, who could who have our defense make the play? If it's for? at the center position, we may like survive. But even still, like, do we even have who is the third Marley that gets called up for NHL minutes? It's like I don't know, Nick Robertson on his one leg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I think that it. Listen, we won both games this week doing eleven forward seven defensemen. It's not the end of the world. I think actually Keith has handled it pretty well. The ways that he's getting the players out there he's they, they seem to work the combinations he's using i'm not looking at it like this player you know player x is just not getting enough ice time i think that he is using them in a good way i just i just think it was a mistake by kyle dubas and i think that what we're seeing here that sheldon keith is not forced to but is electing to go 11 forward seven defensemen is saying yep you don't have a perfectly balanced roster. It, it'll it'll be interesting. I I think I I do agree. I think Keith is kind of working with with what he has, and like I I probably would have. I mean, obviously, you don't know what the prices were for other forwards, and I don't even know if there were many impact forwards left out there. But like, we didn't really need an impact forward. We just need someone who's it can play at the NHL level. Um, but even if it's just someone who's an upgrade on Joey on Joey Anderson. Yeah. You know, like the the 13th forward, bringing in a new guy for there because the guy we brought in, the guys we brought in are, are arguably seven, eight defensemen, yeah. in which case we like we haven't even been playing with Luke Shen so far this week. By the way, congratulations, Luke Shen, on your new your new baby being born. But he's going to be coming back into the mix. That's one more defenseman. It's it's 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm making too big of a deal of this, but I I just see it getting harder. I don't really see. Yeah, I I wonder if like what we're seeing now is almost like tryouts when it comes to the to the defense. And like Keith has been given all these extra tools and he this is their chance, like earn the coach's trust and you make make the playoffs. Like, I wonder if uh, the same this (laughs) here we are in March and I'm saying like, yeah, we're trying to treat it like another training camp back in September. But I wonder if this is him saying like you earn your positions like uh, you have like for a while there's been maybe a bit of complacency at the bottom end. Granted we did like previously we had Rasmus Sandin as well. So we should still have that, that competition and that fire to, to get in. But for the new guys, this is like, this is your chance to like in a, in a new situation. Like, can you win over the coach? Can you hold down that, that, that standard spot? Cause I think like, who, I mean, we talked about before, who are the locks? There's Riley Brody, Mark Giordano. And then Jake McCabe is, is a, lock jake yep. mccabe has actually impressed me like he's just been like basically what we need like he's just solid he's there he's not i mean i don't think he's done too much he's, i i think what he's what he is is he's prime jake muzzin without the offensive ability like i don't really see him pushing the play up the ice but from what he does defensively which is really what we wanted him to be he's exactly what i remember from muzzin just shuts down is in the right a big hit every now takes it off the cycle and then it goes yeah big hits he threw one really big hit which is like, oh there he is but uh no I've, I've really liked him too yeah but yeah so outside of those four it's like we have five guys competing for two spots um i i think it looks like lilligren's gonna be on the outs to be honest and i know last week i was saying that i kind of wanted him to play with riley if if brody wasn't but the, the buzz around Shen, I think Shen's going to be in the lineup. And I I was just thinking about it. Like, we brought in, um, what's the name from well, Washington? Gustafson. Uh, Gustafson, thank you. We brought in Gustafson. He has more points than any other defenseman on our team. Like, if you're going to bring a guy like that in, you got to put him in a position to succeed. And only putting him in the lineup, like, once every you know week. It, he's just not going to be able to find a groove and then you'd more, more or less just wasted him. So like he's got to get in there and then Hall and Lilligren, I guess are just replaced. I don't know. It's, I, I feel like you're taking out pieces and replacing the pieces that aren't necessarily better. Maybe just like lateral transactions. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of just annoying to me. Like we, I, I think after we did the Jake McCabe and uh, Lafferty Lafferty trade and brought those guys in, I think I was on like cloud nine after that. I was just looking at our team and I was so impressed with what Kyle Dubas did. All we have to do is ship out Engvall and then we're done. We're under the cap with the perfect team. And he just made like four other moves after. And I don't, I don't, I'm not really liking them so far. I'm thinking that he should have stopped after the Jake McCabe. I mean, it doesn't help that Rasmus Sandin is tearing it up in Washington. That it. I, I get why we moved off from Sandine. It's just the players we brought back to replace him. I don't think they're better than him. We um, did get a first round pick though. That, that's a bit of a factor that's like harder to evaluate now, but it's like on the same way, like we could be in the second last year of the Austin Matthews and William Nylander era. You do not want to do anything that makes your team worse. Yeah. But yeah. It, and I, I like, we haven't really seen Shen come in and, and do his thing. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all 
if Shen is a mainstay on our defense, that he is huge in the playoffs, that he becomes a darling of the Maple Leafs in the playoffs because he just shines in that atmosphere. He's big. He throws hits like that wouldn't shock me at all. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm putting money on it, but these moves could pay off for Dubas. Yeah. And I think time will tell. <laughs> and even when we, we, we look at this, I also am kind of uh, I think back to the joke of like, the Leafs make like a four. The least fourth line gets the same amount of press as like half the teams in the league, like their first line stars. Mm-hmm. And it's like all these guys that we're talking about at the bottom of the lineup. We're talking about like fourth liners and not just sixth and seventh D, but like <laughs> eighth and ninth D and thirteenth fourth. And, and like, are we going to win and lose in the playoffs because of our thirteenth forward? No, it's it like they might they might be a factor, but like it, at the end of the day, it's gonna be do the stars produce can they get through at, well actually maybe this is the- see but, but at the same time though tim like you say no it, it it's a factor but it's not going to be the difference i would say last year is a pretty big difference between tampa's fourth line and toronto's fourth line like our fourth line super sucked last year they did nothing they just let goals in and like got off the ice and that's it. <laughs> like the the fact that this year we could be going in with guys like achari lafferty Austin uh, Reese, that's second line center there. Sam Lafferty, right? You're talking about right there. Yeah, he's he's been really good. I really like Sam Lafferty, but but these guys like it goes from. I, I see what you're saying. You know, the fourth line, it's not going to be that much of an impact. These are the kind of guys that could have an impact on your fourth line. That like you see it shift after shift after shift. If we're applying pressure, you'll get through and you'll break you'll break in. What we've seen in the past is the Leafs kind of like put Matthews and Marner out there. They get lots of offensive zone pressure. The next line goes out and it's back in our end. And then it's up for Tavares and Nylander come out and then they get it back. And it's, you can't have the sustained pressure that you need sometimes in the playoffs to finally break through. If we're four lines deep, that makes a big difference. It, and it, yeah. And it does make a, a big difference. I think he, even in the players that we, we, we brought in playing that a little more gr- like grind, grind them down style of hockey, like, Maybe that's the, that like that'll play a difference. So yeah, so I mean, not saying it's not justified to talk about, but it's not. I'm not sure I would get like overall this trade deadline. I would still give Kyle Dubas like a a good grade for what for what he's done. Like certainly for like Nolachari, Ryan O'Reilly looked great before he was injured. Jake McCabe looks like exactly what we needed. Sam Lafferty just more more good depth. Even like getting a first round pick for Sandine, like that's that's good. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's just hard for me to appreciate the first round pick right now. Partially because I know it's Boston's pick, so it's like the worst. It's basically a second round pick is what it is. It's it's going to be one pick away from being the second That's round like pick. saying uh, getting Columbus's second round pick is like, you know, it's almost like a first round pick. It basically is like Columbus's well, second round pick. Well, I mean, the, pick the picks are right next to each other. The same as what picks we are got. right next to each other. Yeah. So it's basically what we got. We got Columbus's second <laughs> round pick. That makes you feel better. We got Columbus second round pick. There you go. Uh, I mean, one thing. Do you want to talk about forwards? Do you want to talk about goalies? Oh, Tim, don't get me I was going to say, like, if we're going to talk about factors that could uh, impact us in the playoffs and possible failings of Kyle Dubas, but the goalies. This uh, this week was a tale of two goalies. We had New- Ilya Samsonov in on uh, against New Jersey. And then we had Matt Murray in against Edmonton on Saturday. Uh, do I, do I, do I, Matt Murray did not put in a 60-minute performance, let's just say. 
he when when it got real at the end of the game and we gained the lead, we had to lock it down. He locked it down. He he did what we needed to do to win. Edmonton got some great looks. I think uh, Drysaddle missed the net like two times. They did miss the net and like, uh huh. But at the beginning of the game, yeah, you know, you from your players, you could get away with like a forty-minute performance. Sometimes we saw it in New Jersey. We only had a forty. We showed up for the last forty minutes. The first twenty minutes, we had one player show up. It was Sam Sonoff, and he held the door down and kept it a zero-zero game, so that when the rest of our team woke up, we can come back and win the game matt murray was sleepy for the first 20 minutes like, like i don't care if it's Connor mcdavid scoring the goal it was a clean shot through the five hole like no the, the second the second goal, goal where just, he just like wasn't on the post properly that one kind of annoyed uh, me ne- you should never be able to score auto- if you scored a wraparound it just looks dumb if you're the uh-huh. goalie like you're just like get in your net man so it, it's it's even like our, I think it was Justin Hall who was the defenseman coming back. He, he didn't cover Kane great, but he covered him enough that Kane couldn't get the shot yeah. off. And Maurice was still like way around the net. So it's it's just like we you need him to make those easy saves when the game is still tight. When it's zero zero, you know we were pre- pushing for offense. We we didn't show up sleepily. Like we were with we the early power play. We were kind of going, and you get down three one. That's all fine and dandy if you're playing against the poorest Edmonton Oilers. Like it's easy to score seven against them because they super suck if your name's not Connor McDavid. But when you're playing against Tampa or you're playing against Boston and your goalie takes the first 20 minutes off and you go down three to one in the first period, guess what the final score is going to be? Three to one. And it's over. It's you're like, you're not going to come back from that. You're not going to maybe unless if you're the team playing the Edmonton Oilers, (laughs) then you can come back from that. We are not going to come back from that. So it's it's from the goalies, you need 60 minutes every single night. And for me, I would look at this and say, Murray, step aside. Samsonov gets the next game. And if he's great, Samsonov gets the next game. We're 60 games into the season. It's not time to say, let's split the load. Let's make sure everyone's getting in there. We want two goalies good for the playoffs. It's time to pick a guy and to make sure that they are in a mojo going into the playoffs. Matt Murray is still kind of warming up, shaking the rust off of this injury. Let him shake the rust off one game every week for the next little bit and give the reins to Samsonov to see if he can put a run. So, so you're at the point where you would even take off the one a tag from Samsonov and just say like, Samsonov, you're number one, Murray, you're number two. And like, until it's yours to lose. It's like uh number one written in pencil. <laughs> like, when it comes to the playoffs, if Samsonov is starting to struggle, that's why we have both of them. Yeah. Right. Like we brought in both of them to be support for each other, but we have 20 games left here. There's not, it's like a month before we're in playoffs. Stress city enters our, our lives. <laughs> it's time to, to really start figuring out who your guy is going to be. If we're alternating games the whole way through, then what you're just going to pick a guy for game one of the playoffs. No, you, you need to have it established. You're going to be the guy start getting your, your mindset to be there. And I think that Sam Snop has earned it at this point. He certainly has like he's stood out to me as being on point more than Murray. And and I feel it's a little bad. I mean, I feel a little bad for Matt Murray because he missed so much time because he was injured. But in the same time, Sam Snop, like it has been way better than our, our expectations. And he's looked like really good. He's he's actually stolen us games. 
granted he like there was yeah. like i think the stretch in december he also looked shaky that we were wondering like yep. should we bring in another goalie um obviously that didn't happen so like the the die has been cast but um yeah no it's like i mean i think as well i i agree with you in that i don't want to see Samsonov starting a couple in the playoffs and murray starts a couple and back and forth i think in the playoffs you like pick your guy and you just run with them unless if you have a back-to-back which you never know the schedulers <laughs> well, well i mean if, if you go in game one and two with Samsonov and he loses both of them i have no problem with them saying okay we're gonna give the reins to murray for game three like i, I i'm okay yeah. with that but I want to be going into the playoffs. If the if the plan is Ilya Samsonov for game one, I want him to play 13 of the last 20 games. And I want Joseph Wall to play two of them. <laughs> like I just I I I I want if he's gonna be our number one, I want him to feel like he's our number one over the next stretch. And for him to really get his, his feet in here. I want the players to look back and say, that's our guy. He is gonna shut the door. We're gonna win because. He's not going to let the other teams. Play. You do wonder how much is on the players because uh, players obviously play differently based on who's in net. Like we've seen it for a while. It's like, oh, when the Leafs had their uh, Hutchinson in net, the Leafs play totally different up front. It's like they know it's like, all right, we're, every shot we allow might be going into the back of the net. So, yeah, um, I don't think we've seen too much of a difference between Sam Sonoff and Murray as far as the players response, but. I think even in in the difference in how they like each goalie handles the puck and like in like they have different tendencies as well, um, rebound control. So I think even getting the players that much more comfortable does have value over the next twenty games. Uh, that being said, Samsonov has uh, the history of the hot starts at the start of the season, and then after ten games, you would kind of cool off. And I, not this year, not this year. Well, I, I was gonna say is like how many games has he played? Uh, yeah. Looking at like each season, he's I guess last year he played forty four games for Washington. This year he's up to thirty three with the Leafs. So very likely he's going to be setting like a new a new high in games played. Don't want to burn him out before the playoffs. Ah, uh, I don't know if I'm worried about. Listen, are you telling me that if someone like. Andre Vasilevsky, who's going to play something like 60 games this season, that he's so much more fit yes. and athletic than Samsonov or Murray, uh, maybe Murray, because Murray's in a hospital bed most of the year. <laughs> like goalies, I, I, I'm starting to think that this whole goalie should only play 45 to 50 games a season. It's all just a bunch of boogaloo because I see other goalies and they go 60 games and they win the Vesna. Like how many games has Linus Allmark played? Probably like fifty-five to sixty. Oh, season. I don't know. And what is he going to be slowing down? Not yet, but by the end of the season. Um, I I just I think that you just you just go, just put him in. They're going to be fine. It's not like uh, Samsonov has has is thirty-five and has had a long career and his knees are starting to give way. He's like been a backup his whole career, and this is the first chance that he's had the chance to really take the lead in net and goal i think he can handle it i hope so uh for reference vasileski uh one off of the league lead at 49 games started Allmark, yep. uh not as many though only 39 so vasileski plays just half of the remaining 20 games he's gonna get to 60 games yeah played. yeah so it's it's no big i, I think it's no big deal 
I we weren't planning on talking about it, but I want to talk quickly about Joseph Wall. Um, because you mentioned it in our in our chat earlier this week that the Leafs have an interesting decision to come up. You want to want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, so bit? like I think uh the waiver system and who's exempt for the waivers uh in the NHL. So waivers is something where if a player is on an NHL contract and they don't they're not part of your team and you want to send them to the minors. The Players Association had this clause in place that basically, like, if you're not going to give this guy a shot, any other team in the league has this opportunity to take him for free from your team, uh, basically to give him a shot at the NHL somewhere. Um, and then there's yeah. various exemptions in place. They say, like, well, if the player is under, I see you're quizzing me. I think it's, I think it's under 25, or if it's if they're less than 100 games played, and then there's like different rules for goalies. But basically, young young developing players can go up and down waivers as needed. But once they hit a certain age, you either have to play them or you have to risk losing them for nothing. So Joseph Wall. Right. So the choice that we have to make here is that Joseph Wall next year could be more or less just claimed for free by any other team unless if he is getting played by us. So unless if he's basically one of our number one or two. Yeah, Joseph Wall, 20, 24 this year, turns 25 next year. But So goalies in the NHL, we talked about having extra players. Goalies, you almost always just carry the two. You're already carrying a backup. Yes. Very, very rarely do you ever see three. And so the Leafs are going to have, right now we have Matt Murray under contract, likely to bring Ilya Samsonov back. I mean, I say likely. We I think we would like to have him back. But then we have Joseph Wall, who this year in the Marlies is like 17 and one and 15 and oh, when his team scores a goal or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, maybe, when his team scores a goal. Um, so clearly he's at the point where he's too good for the AHL now. Granted, when we've seen him in the NHL, he hasn't quite grabbed, wouldn't say he's gra- He's been good enough that I think the Leafs are saying that it's not worth going out and spending assets for third string NHLer, but Leafs will have to decide do we want to potentially lose this guy for nothing because he will be claimed he's one of the star AHL goaltenders or do we move on from like do we have to pay someone to take the last year Matt Murray's contract do we can we afford to keep Ilya Samsonov and like so it is pretty interesting so here here's why it's so frustrating to me this whole situation I'm thinking of it that if we go into the playoffs and let's just say we beat Tampa, the world is happy and we make it to game six or seven and then we lose to Boston. Who's the greatest team ever assembled. That feels like a pretty within realm of possibility of what happens in the playoffs. And let's just say our goaltending is Samsonov for all 14 games. Obviously they're going to game seven. So all 14, all 14 games, Samsonov is our starter and he's good. He's basically Similar to us to what Jack Campbell was for us last year, even uh, Freddie was the year before. It's just like good, about the same, maybe a little bit worse than the other goalie, but like by no means was Samsonov the reason we're losing these games. I think, okay, is that enough that next year we can go into the season with Ilya Samsonov as our number one goaltender and we're going to have to sign him to a new contract after this year? He's probably going to want some money and probably some term to have Ilya Samsonov and Joseph Wall as our number one, two and ship out Matt Murray. I don't, I don't think that'd be hard to ship out Matt Murray. He's one deal left, one year left of his contract. It's only, I think four point something million that's left on it, which like for another team to get someone who could be their number one or at very worst, like a one B isn't that bad. 
one year left, especially, I don't think we're going to have to eat anything or give away draft picks to move the contract. So is that good enough? Sparks. I always go back to Garrett Sparks, who has a prodigy in the AHL. He was so good. And it was the year where he was going to come in. He was going to be our backup. He was going to be great. And he was a whole lot of nothing. He was, he was, he was so worse bad. than Hutch. He, he left me scarred how bad he was. And it was wild how good he was in the NH, in the AHL compared to how bad he was at the NHL. Yeah. That I think here's Joseph Wall. Like you said, like 15 and 0 if his team just scores a goal in front of him. Is that like there's lots of other goaltenders that are really great in the AHL and they become really good in the NHL. But we had Garrett Sparks and I just I feel like I'm I'm scared to commit to someone who really the only sample size that we have is this AHL resume. Am, am I am I just scarred? <laughs> like I, I mean know. a little bit scarred. So like Joseph Wall, I mean he's played 3 NHL games this year. Um four games last year he's been fine he, he's, he's been, been fine, fine in his nhl game so far but like three to seven games is not a sample size to base anything no and 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 i feel like in the backup position like we are definitely scarred because we had like when we had frederick anderson that like Fred, freddie was here for five years i can't even i mean i don't really remember the back backups but like all those five years i don't think i can't think of anyone where we had like a backup goalie that notable that like for so many years, the backup goaltender was like a black hole. And so we required Freddie to pay, play like 60 games. And, and now it's like, we actually have someone that might be good in, in behind them, but I don't know. This is probably the best like goalie tandem that we've had in a long time for the Leafs. Like to have your number one goalie, let's just call it Samson off for now has been very good. And the backup goalie, when they're healthy, has also been very good. Yeah. I mean, when we had Freddie and, and Jack Campbell, like that was a pretty good pair. But the, at that point, Frederick Anderson was horrible. And he was injured for like for so long. So hard to say. Not that Matt Murray's doing any better right now. No, but You're right. That was probably the next closest comparison. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It comes back to like, is that a decision you can make in training camp next year? I don't, I don't think so. Because then... Like that, the teams know that you have desperate. to make it before then because you have to decide whether or not you're trading Matt Murray or, or not before yeah. then. Yeah, because and, and you're gonna have to re sign Samsonov. Like maybe you let Samsonov walk, re sign Matt Murray, hope that he's ma- drank some unicorn blood and he's magically healed, and then you have Joseph Wall. It's it's tough. It's tough saying that when your number one is going to be either Murray or Samsonov to say your number two is this untested AHL. Yeah, yeah that, that's hard. What's also hard about that is like. Even in a best case scenario, I feel like Joseph Walls could be a downgrade from what Ilya Samsonov was this year. So you're if you go in next year, just basically not re-signing Samsonov and, and Murray and Wall make up your tandem. That's only a million dollars saved on the salary cap for a significant mm-hmm. drop down. I mean, I don't know. I feel I feel I feel if we go 14 games against Tampa and Boston and lose, like I, I don't think we blow up the team. Like, I, I, I agree. I don't think, like, obviously that I'll be, like, gutting to lose again. But I think, like, 
Boston is just too good this year to to be able to count on a win there. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there when we get there. We got Tampa we have Tam- first. We can have some oh, happiness even, before it, we get Tampa's to going to be enough of an up- uphill battle. We we went back and forth quite a bit this week about what are like the power rankings of of uh, just like in the Eastern Conference because we at the Leafs cast don't have much respect for the Western Conference as as can be seen by our <laughs> Edmonton is like one of the jewels of the Western Conference and we're saying like yeah give us the Marlies and so that <laughs> not quite. Edmonton is a super joke. Let's just talk about Edmonton for a second. Because the things Connor McDavid did at that game that we were just watching like yesterday was unbelievable. He is just head and shoulders better than anyone on our team, anyone on their team, anyone in the league. Like he, he's so good. Drysidle is fantastic. Zach Hyman is just like going to be a hundred point player. The Nuge, like they have Kane. They got guys like Darnell Nurse and Eckholm. And outside of Carter McDavid, that team is just a train wreck, I think. I don't think they're anywhere near as good as their standings are. They're so bad defensively. They are so bad defensively. When they, when they saw us get six goals, they were probably like, this is nothing new, guys. We could still win because they probably and, get six goals. And then all of them night. simultaneously look at Connor McDavid like, we got this, right? <laughs> Oh, it was funny with the camera pans to Carter McDavid every time we Oh, scored. yeah. You think it was a coincidence? Yep. Like, oh, every time he's on the bench. I know. I know. It, but like, but just to bring it back to what we were talking about when we we're saying, yeah, we have Samsonoff and Wall as our goaltenders. They have Jack Campbell and Skinner as their goaltenders, and they feel, were feeling pretty good about Jack Campbell. You think if they had a real goalie in net, like Skinner's been fine this season, way better than they were anticipating. He saved their season. And thank goodness for that. Because, yeah, because Jack Campbell's been, you know, we love the guy, but he's been quite not quite good. Not good. Um, you just think like if they had a real goaltender, they could, they'd probably be making a push for the cup this year. And they might, because there's no one else in the East who's gonna, or in the West who's going to stand in their way. But uh, it goaltender is just such a huge part of your team. Yeah. Like you think of what? T- tell me the number one reason why the New York Islanders are even sniffing the playoffs this year. It's Sorokin. <laughs> like it, it. What are you telling me that there's any other bum on that team that Lou Amarello because he gives all these loser players contracts that they're going to make the playoffs? No, because they have one goalie who's standing on their head, who's the only thing, the only other goalie who should be a consideration other than Allmark for the Vesna this year. It, it's just so important. It's the difference between a bad team and a good team. It's the difference between a good team and a great team. We're going to be up against one of the best goalies in the playoffs. And then after that, probably the best winner of the playoffs. Like it's, it's a huge part. And yeah. I don't know. I'm, well, I've lost faith in our goaltending as the season. Well, run along. I, I said at one point on one of our pods that I think goaltending is going to be a strength. I'm, I'm not so sure anymore. I think it's just like, just usually a forward isn't going to win or lose you a game. I mean, Mitch Marner's performance in, against Edmonton is like where he was just both like blocking uh, pucks, like getting in the lanes, like on defense, as well as doing these amazing plays on offense. Like you, you could argue Mitch Marner won us, won us that game, but there was lots of pieces there. Um, but a goaltender more than anyone else, that is what's either going to lose you a game. And more often than not, that's what's going to, sorry, yeah, lose you a game or it's the difference that it makes you win the game. Like goalies can single handedly say like, we are winning this game. Yep. You guys, <laughs> we've seen it from the teams we've oh, played against so many in the times over the past five yeah, years. Yeah, thank you, Carey Price uh, and Col- Mers Leakins. And... Yeah, I was just going to say Columbus and Montreal are the poster childs. For yeah. I mean, Vasilevsky does it too, but it's like, it's just expected from him. Or Tuka Rask. Yeah, he gets, 
goes on and on and on. But yeah, I mean, like this and like we've we've seen it with Samsonov can do it. He can steal games. Matt Murray backs off the Penguins to like back to back Stanley Cups. Like and even this year, like we've seen them do it. Like they they have the potential to be a Stanley Cup winning goalie. It's just yeah. what's crazy in the playoffs. It's like I still can't wrap my mind around it. We we play seven games and it's like the most intense week of the year consistently for the past seven years where like everything's going on. And like this is seven games to win the Stanley Cup. You're looking at 20 to 30 games of the most intense hockey you've seen in your entire well, life. Only if you're the Leafs going to game seven every single time. It's so stressful. Like, some teams don't require that many, but. You know, we'll we'll see. I was pleased to see Austin Matthews have a pretty good game against uh, Edmonton there. That yeah, obviously he got his goal near the end of it. You just hope that you know once again you hope this is him coming back around and starting to build up some steam. In the same way I was saying, I want our goaltender to be dialed in, knowing they're the number one. Surely Austin Matthews knows he's the number one on our team, no matter what hard time I give him on the podcast here. He is the number one center. He's the number one player. He's he's deserves to be it and i hope that this is kind of the start of him catching some of marner's magic there and maybe uh turning yeah i mean like he so against against edmonton he was playing with mitch marner sorry playing with mitch marner more often than not i think so like i think that that's a big a big piece like i i've talked before and like i can i can see the the rationale for splitting them up and i mean mitch marner is great wherever he is Matthews is good to great wherever he is, but you put him together and you have a force that's like unstoppable. Like <laughs> we don't hear it in the intro every year, but like that guy could score 80 goals a year with Mitch Marner. And it's just like, it's, this is where it's most unfortunate that we're not going to have O'Reilly for the next couple of weeks yeah. now, that we can't see exactly what our line combinations could be. Like we're not going to really get a good feel for what our team is basically until right before the playoffs when our team's all healthy yeah. again. We don't even know if we're going to be all healthy. Like William Nylander could go down with an injury. Really? <laughs> William Nylander is an Iron Man. Yeah, he is. He, he never misses time. Um, but we'll see. Like, I, I think that there's a lot left to see here. Kind of get a feel for where the Leafs are coming at. You have no idea what Sheldon Keefe is going to do. Like, we could be going 10 defensemen and, you know what I mean? Like, it's... Jordy it's, Bend. We'd love to have Jordy Bend. <laughs> Well, what, like Luke Shen is coming back to what are what are we going to let's just say Luke Shen because he, he had his kid. Let's say he's in next game. Who are the and go back to six defensemen because I, I swear we are not going to do 11 forward seven defensemen game one of the playoffs. Let's go back to six defensemen. Like who are the six that you're putting in there right now? Because I sure have no idea. Uh, I also have very little idea. Like look, looking at like since the trade deadline, like no, none of the bottom end defensemen have impress me that much like like you see moments kind of from each of them as saying oh yeah these guys are good but nothing that says like this guy deserves to be in the lineup i'm sorry to see this guy out like even like like timothy Lilligren is someone who i think like has a lot of history with the Leafs. obviously we drafted him years ago and like it's been like he's had a long road to get to the nhl and now he's like playing consistently and playing well and like he is the future on our defense so from that perspective i want to see him in the lineup but like from his play i'm not i'm not ready to give an argument saying the leafs are better with him 
in the lineup or out of the lineup. Like, I think like I, I want one. of So, I mean, we always kind of, uh, end the podcast saying like looking ahead to the, the week ahead, what do you want to see? I want to see one of the least defensemen have a prove it, have a game that says like, I want you to cry about taking me out of the lineup. I want people to get angry that they see me on in the press box or not in the lineup or only getting 10 minutes a night. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good, that no, that's a good one. I, I would like to see that out of Gustafson personally. Yeah. I haven't seen the offensive side of him to, to ward why he's there. I know it is there because he got so many points with Washington. He had a crazy season with Chicago. So it's there. I just haven't seen it yet. So I'd like to see that. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are of Michael Bunting on the bottom half of our lineup. Cause he did it for one game. You're just thinking, well, here's the smack in the face, you know, smarten up and then we'll get you back up there with Matthews and Marner. But now it's been, I think three games in a row. He's, he's been down there at the bottom end of the lineup. So what do you make So what's of interesting about Michael Bunting is that like over the past month or so, his penalty differential has plummeted. Basically the, yeah, the refs of, uh, have kind of gotten wise to him like he's always been someone who not shy to embellish a little bit and like always kind of getting into like the chippiness but i think what, what's changed is he, he's just stopped drawing penalties like and sometimes that's a bit frustrating because like sometimes he did deserve to draw the penalty like the other the other team does deserve to get penalties we haven't talked about the edmonton refereeing at all so i'm showing great restraint but like <laughs> Talk, looking at my, Michael Bunting specific guy. So I, and I think that it, and so what happened was Michael Bunting would sometimes retaliate or sometimes he himself would just get a penalty and like put his team down in the past month or so. So he's, I, I don't know if it's whether he's taken it on himself or more likely Keith had a word with them and said like, Hey, back off from like the line. He's someone who's always kind of dancing around the line. And I think that's made him a less effective player. Um, not saying that he will won't make it back up to the top, but I don't know. It's like I remember in when Nazem Kadri was here, he had the same thing that for years he was like right around the line of playing with on the edge and like drawing penalties, but then the refs just stopped giving him the calls and he just wasn't quite the same. I mean, he would also like then it's, get frustrated and blow his top and do dumb stuff. To me, like the the calls and hit because he you're right he did draw a lot to me that was always more gravy that was the bonus that he was i guess other teams hated him and he's annoying and they would get he'd get on their nerves and then they'd slash him and they'd take a penalty that was always great but to me that's not why he was on the top line with matthews and marner was that stuff he would get it in the corner he would be able to find them he would know where to stand with a stick on the ice and he'd be able to pot home the rebound and he made a living on that like, the reason why on this pod, we've talked about should we be giving Bunting an eight-year extension or not? Because he, at some points of the season, he deserved it. I don't know if this is uh, a bit of tough love from Keith. I don't know if this is exactly what Bunting needs, or because usually all player needs to get going is to play with Mitch Marner, and he's taken him away from Mitch Marner. Usually, we haven't really seen Bunting excel in the bottom half of the lineup. So I think three games is longer than I was expecting it to be. I kind of like to see him move back up and be with Matthews and Marner again. I would be pretty shocked if he's not up there on that top line come playoff time. So I think you need to get him up there to get his confidence back, even if it's just secondary assists or assists on Matthews or Marner's goals, just to get, you know, get his mojo back where it needs to be, get him feeling good. Then he can start potting them in himself again and, 
like I I I feel like there's not a lot of time left between now and the playoffs. It's not the time to be trying crazy things or to send people down to the bottom half of the lineup for prolonged periods of time to send a message. You got to figure out what your plan is for playoffs here. And these are all grown men. They'll figure it out and just get going. Yeah. And I I think I, I, I agree with part of what you're saying in that looking ahead to the playoffs, almost for sure. I see bunting back up on the top, back up on the top line, like Kerfoot, He's great and he's been great in the playoffs in the past, but he just does not score. Like he had another like good opportunity and, and it just like it plays as dying a six. So for that reason, he doesn't have a future in the top six. I don't think he's basically the Justin Hall of our forward. He's <laughs> great when he doesn't have the puck. And as soon as he touches it, it's like, shoot, there goes that. Yeah. Play. Granted, like I, I, he needs to get off that top line. He's just to equal extent that Mitch Marner props Matthews up. I think Kerfoot's just dragging him down. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd go I'd go that far, but I do think that like Michael Bunting's a better fit up there. Um so and for for that reason, so yeah, like there's not that much time left. Like what what are you gaining by moving around these different different players and different elements? I guess like bet like you brought in tons of new players on the forwards, so you want to make sure that you want to start giving them that continuity and getting those line line mates and that chemistry. So I think uh, one, one piece about Michael Bunting, we haven't t- touched on in a while is the, I know they were talking about an eight year extension earlier. I, I don't think they give him an eight year extension. Like, no, not no, that. like he's just, he, even the historic in the past, like last year and this year, the amount of limited success he's had apart from Austin Matthews. I don't, I don't see it like Zach Hyman is someone that every line he was on, you would see him driving that line. That line becomes great. Michael Bunting is not Zach Hyman. So what, what I think is like, uh, you always hear Michael Bunting talk about how much he loves playing in Toronto and everything else. And it's like, all right, well now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. No, stop that right now. You're going down this hopeless trail. No, some other team is going to give him top six money and he's he's going to take it. He's gone next year. He's gone next year. So none of this. Now is your time to put your money where your mouth is. Take the hometown discount. Stay in Toronto. It's not going to happen. No, no player ever does that until they're 38 or older and they've made their money and they're going to stay like Gio or Spezza. That's it. There's no way Bunting is staying in Toronto if another team is offering him more money. I, yeah. All right. But Bunting better make a try extra hard this year. For a Stanley Cup, you never know when Arizona is going to come calling. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, so th- coming up this week, we have uh, Buffalo on Monday, Colorado on Wednesday, Carolina on Friday, Ottawa on Saturday. Yeah, a lot of teams that are just hungry for playoff spots or very securely locked in playoff spots because they're elite teams like the Carolina Hurricanes. So it's definitely going to be a tough week, but I like that. I like uh, get a lot of meaningful games in here at the end of the season. Teams that the the Leafs are going to wake up for that they're going to be like, shoot, Buffalo's coming to town. They're desperate to make the playoffs this year for the first time in about two lifetimes, and uh, we got to show up for this game. We'll see. So what do you think? Uh, so we have one, two, three, four, uh, four games this week. How many wins yeah. are we getting this week? What is our record for this week, you think? Four wins. Four wins. Wow. Yeah. 
I think I think we're gonna go on. You a think Samsonov right is I'm starting going... all four games? No, I think he starts three of them, and I think he wins all three. And I think Matt Murray will also have a good game. I, I don't know. I'm just feeling good right now. Maybe it's because we won the last couple. Last game, even though there was a lot to nitpick about it, the Edmonton game. What a fun <laughs> hockey game to watch! Eh? Like that. That was just a, a fun time. If I had to introduce someone new to hockey, well, that's a great game to so watch if you were your first it's either that one or the game from last year where toronto and detroit were like what 10 7 no that's a stupid game that's not that wasn't even hockey they were just like shooting at the open uh no i i i I have a good feeling about this week i feel like all our players are just kind of buzzing right now oh hold on let me refrain if we're going 12 forwards and six defensemen we will go four and oh i don't know would you bring Sheldon, would you bring Holmberg back up? Holmberg, Simmons, or Steves? Who's your 12 4 that's that's coming in? Uh, I don't know. Or Nick Robertson I, on one I like Lafferty. I, I like Lafferty at center. I thought he was really good, and he doesn't need to play as high center as But we need an extra body. <laughs> or you, no, I know. But you I'm, want Justin just Hall that, on the um, wing? I'm saying Holmberg would come in to play center oh. if he was coming in, right? That's what he does. So I, I kind of like Holmberg the most out of those names, but I don't necessarily think we need a center because I, I like Lafferty, Camp, Tavares, and Matthews as our centermen. So prob- probably, uh, you know what? Get Simmons in there. Why not? We'll throw a bit, get a big guy. Oh my he likes being there. The team wakes up when Simmons is there. He can take a few penalties and then not play again for the rest of you the season. You heard it here first. Ryan's putting Wayne Simmons in the lineup and saying that's going to be the difference between winning or losing this week. Listen, Sheldon Keefe seems to have this idea that like, oh, we haven't played Simmons in a while. We got to get him in there to, you know, keep him fresh as like to throw him a bone or something. So let's throw him his bone this week and then we don't have to see him again probably ever in a Leafs uniform. So th- this is the throw Simmons a bone week. I've I don't know, Ryan. Game one of the playoffs. <laughs> might be. No, don't do that to him. <laughs> I think we lose against Buffalo tomorrow because we always lose against Buffalo. But I think we beat Colorado, Carolina, maybe even Ottawa too. Ottawa's a, a bit of an unknown, but I think we lose against Buffalo. <laughs> I'm the most scared against Ottawa of those teams. Didn't Buffalo just give up 10 goals to Dallas? <laughs> earlier that makes it worse what are you scared of them for no there we'll be i don't know we'll We'll see see. all right it's a wrap we'll see uh 20 games to go we're count we're starting the countdown to get too close to the playoffs uh we'll make sure to have uh uh, a playoff at least one playoff preview pod depending on if there's anything else going on but we'll we'll do the head-to-head between tampa and toronto and we basically pre or pre-recorded that one because we know it's already in that but <laughs> pretty good all right see you next week <laughs> <laughs>